The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our new series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part B. Let's talk about what the Hebrew word picture is for enemy. This always shakes me up a bit. The Hebrew for enemy, known in some countries, is czar. Most people, when they think of a czar, they think of, you know, um, king of some country or controller or whatever. Well, that's exactly what it is. But here's how it spells out after you break down each one of the letters. Where the hatred of a father lives. To treat the father as a foe. A weapon man who acts as a head while being a stranger. So where the enemy starts is, I hate my father. Now whether Satan wants to admit this or not, 602-292-2982, whether he wants to admit this or not, God is his dad. God is his Abba. And he is his father. Now, his behavior says that he does not believe that, but I can assure you he's going to get the rod the next time. I can see it literally in a field where a bunch of sheep are gathered together. There's more wolves than there are sheep. And the closer we get to this hour where God's going to spank Satan for his defiance, there are more and more and more wolves that are being born, birthed into rebellion. And that primary wolf, that leader of the pack, is doing everything he can to keep them wolves. You don't get born righteous. You are born a wolf, a hater of God, a sheep devourer. That's how you were born. And the enemy wants to keep you remained and locked in as a wolf. He doesn't want you to go through this conversion to become a sheep. So he's very busy. And guess what? He's winning, hands down. But see, that already was in prophecy, wasn't it? 
When Jesus himself said the road to destruction is wide and many are on it, let's put our illustration in there. The road to hell is wide and many wolves are on it. And the road to eternal life, life of the Son, is narrow and few sheep are on it. We're being overwhelmed. The wolves are coming over the hill. And most people freak out like sheep do. So the answer is, stay close to the shepherd. And you wonder why there were shepherds called at night to come out of their tents to witness, to be the witness? Why couldn't God have picked a king or something? Or at least a mayor. (laughs) No, he picks shepherds who are taking care of sheep. Because this prophecy had been given to shepherds for many, many, many years that a great shepherd is coming. And that was a part of the stories they told their children. And here he was. Coincidence in all this? Are you kidding? And then him being actually defined by Hebrew as a weapon man who acts like he's the big man? When he's a stranger? Do you know the greatest Satanist on the face of the earth is hated by Satan? is a stranger to Satan that Satan will never allow himself to be transparent so his greatest and most highest Satan priests can't even get close to him because they compete with each other you get too good at what you do you die they kill their kings everyone's a threat to them the weapon man. He's a loner and he will remain alone forever and ever and ever. Here we got it. Why does the enemy want to keep the Savior in the form of a baby? Not in the form of a grown man, mature man. I once was a child, spoke as a child, reasoned that as a child when I became a man. I put away childish things. That's because bar mitzvah separates childhood from adulthood. And I'm pretty sure he was not accepted by everyone around him when he made his transition. No matter what the rumors are. I want to give you a few little items here of exactly why Satan wants to keep him in the world's view as a child. And why he's okay with people making billions of dollars off of a baby. Because that's what we're doing. Here's the items. The characteristics of a baby. A baby is harmless. A baby is impotent of power. Babies don't. I've I've seen some pretty strong-willed babies. But I've never seen one jump out of a crib and come tackle my leg (laughs) and try to get me to submit to their power. 
That's why child abuse exists, is because that this this fake leader who calls himself a head, who's actually a stranger to their own children, when this child starts to gain a little bit of power, they try to control them, and it gets out of control. That's what the enemy does. He wants you to remain as a baby in your faith. To drink milk until you're dead. Forget about the meat, the exchanged life. Forget about the meat of who you are in Christ. Forget about the meat of Christ living and dwelling within you and actually has the power to live through you. Forget about it. Call those people who are preaching that crazy. Because he wants you to stay as a baby in your faith. Most of you are clueless on how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a stranger. You really don't answer at least my questions when I dialogue with you. How do you lead someone to the indwelling life of Jesus Christ? Then when I get a reply from them, it's usually standard right out of seminary, and they give these answers about quoting a prayer. Well, they need to pray the prayer of salvation. And, you know, well, how does the Holy Spirit get inside that person? And what has to happen before that happens? Well, they have to repent and acknowledge they're a sinner. Really? Um, I had to die before I had that thought. You see, that isn't talked about anymore in the Romans Road. What's talked about on the Romans Road is typically based on the law, not life. See, we're saved by his life, not his death. But in order for us to inherit his life, we have to die and join him in his death, burial, and resurrection and then ascension. A baby is dependent on humans. A baby is without threat. A baby comes in peace. Now outside of Esau, now he came out fighting. And he was showing his stuff right when he was born, but I never have seen a baby come out of the womb with a sword and a fist saying, if anyone touches me, I'm going to terminate you. That's just not how babies are. So they're not a threat to mankind, and they're certainly not a threat to Satan because he owns them. And that is a horrible thing for most parents to admit to. A baby is without vision and purpose. A baby is unaware of chaos and world issues. Can't you see little Junior pop up in the crib the second day, you know, he's in this life and he pulls himself up on the edge of the crib and mom's coming in to get the diapers ready to change his poopy diaper. And little Junior says, I have some real issues with the Muslims. 
and we need to talk about this right now. And by the way, I have some issues about some of the things you believe, Mom. What were you thinking? That just doesn't happen. See, the baby Jesus was not a threat to Satan, nor is he to Satan today. We're the ones that put the little glows around the manger scenes and the sparkles in the hay. We're the ones that have done that. He was born in mem, chaos. And God wanted it to be kept quiet because he knew the enemy. And finally, a baby cannot fight against their enemies. It takes that of his father. Well, what if you're fatherless, like Satan is? What if you're a bastard child? You have no father to defend your faith, son. You have no father to defend your growing up years. Do you know how many bastard children are in the world today? No, we don't know. It's too many to count. Satan has attacked one of the most significant biblical Hebrew guides to growing children up in the traditions, customs, and beliefs of the Hebrews. The Father. Why? Because Satan is a bastard. Now, you, some of you that are listening may think I'm swearing. Someone please tell me what a bastard is. It's a child who doesn't know who their father is. You see, Satan's really got this all twisted up. Because your mother can slap you around all day long and you're going to end up loving her and hugging on her the rest of your life. But if your father rejects you, in the mildest way, for some crazy reason, you remember that the rest of your life. It's not weird, it's the way it works. And Satan is on a mission to rub this in his father's face. We always talk about Satan like stealing the role of God. It's about a father relationship. Jesus, one of the names we were singing it in a song, he came as a father. Well, I bet that made Satan happy. But here is the reality of Jesus. Characteristics of a Savior is a Savior destroys his enemy. A Savior dominates and reveals his power. A Savior is dependent on his Father. It's where his power comes from. A Savior is the greatest threat of his enemy. A Savior comes with a sword. I mean, what was up with Jesus saying, For I did not come with, to bring you peace, but I came with a sword. What is that? 
All the songs I sing at Christmas time are about peace and this little baby going cuckoo caca. I don't hear much about a, a baby carrying a sword. You see, the enemy's got it all twisted up, so it's difficult for people to visualize really what Jesus was saying when he said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came with a sword. To set a father against his mother and a mother against her daughter and a daughter against whatever. Why? He says, you're not worthy of me. If you cherish these relationships more than me, you're not, you're not worthy of me. Well, what's the number one theme of the millennial generation? Relationships over Christ. So they have a better relationship with their dogs than they do Jesus. And sometimes better than their own family members. A Savior is focused on his purpose and his Father's vision. A Savior defeats chaos and worldview issues. A Savior will fight his enemies and conquer them. Now I'm going to show you the great deception in a pictorial fashion. Those of you listening online, it'd really be a good idea to open up that PDF and take a look at all of these slides, but particularly the slide we have in front of us right now called Why the Focus on Christmas. So here we have our baby in a manger. There's basically two routes that are spelled out for us here. The ideal route is Jesus being born, Jesus dying on the cross, and there's a lot that happens between birth and the cross. And after Jesus dies on the cross, he provides a passageway through the tree and into the tree of life, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, he is eternal life. So therefore, you have to be put in Christ to have eternal life. And something has to happen before that salvation experience can occur. It's called Stevie must die to have new life. That's the pathway of the cross and why Jesus came. Now the enemy knows this. He is stupid, but he's very smart. And he's packed out with knowledge. So he decides he's going to be the little puppeteer here. And he's going to try to lead people to the tree of knowledge by using this baby Jesus. So the stuff gets to be draped on this tree is about Jesus. Halloween. The celebration of the dead is about, originally was about Christ. Christmas, Christ Mass. The Catholics purposely use Christ to put it into a pagan holiday. It's been pagan since. It didn't get redeemed. 
and transformed and made alive, it's still pagan today. People think more of their trees than they do Jesus Christ. Do they not? People think more of the gifts under the trees than the gift himself. So that's where we are with it. So the Satan is just kind of got a hold of the puppet strings of all these humans and he's just creating this little dance around this holiday and everyone says there's just this time of the year where everyone seems to connect and, and shares a little love. Well, whose love are we sharing? Since God is love, I kind of doubt it's God with us. Who, who, whose love is it that all these heathens are giving away? It's the love of the baby Jesus. Really? What about the Savior list? Think a Jesus baby can really love you? No. Children have to be grown into love, human love. The Savior understood what real love was and what the price tag was of real love to give to you. And he does not get offended by us acknowledging his birth or his death, Easter. But when we turn them into glorified pagan holidays and make billions of dollars off them, he probably has an issue with that. But those of us who love Christmas trees and ornaments and some even put lights on their house and in their yard and, you know, those who, of us who like that kind of stuff are not wrong. It's what are we doing with it? What's the message? I want to use the birth of Jesus to connect them to the cross so they die. So they can have eternal life. So they can have their Christ mass the rest of eternity if that's what they want to call it. Here's our Emmanuel statement. Matthew had just given an account of the miraculous conception of Jesus, of his being conceived by the Holy Spirit, the seed of God. God was therefore his father. He was divine as well as human. His appropriate name therefore became God is with us. And through the mere use of such a name, proof was given that he had divine or of his father's vine, and that is why Jesus used that illustration with us. That he had a divine nature in setting the eternal stage that Jesus was more than a mere man, that he was God as well as man, resulting in God is with us. This was Satan's primary fear and point of resistance, that God, who he has been fighting since that day he was tossed out of heaven, is with us now. You see, it went for, with Satan, it went from, from attacking God from an earthly view to a heavenly view to now he's with us? I'm going to deal with this guy face to face now? God is with us? 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. And he is going to face you. Nonetheless, it is this which gives glory to the plan of redemption, which again was the opposition to the one who desperately wanted and wants to be God. And of course, that's Satan. It is this reality in which the wonder of the angels rejoice and demons tremble. It is this that makes the plan so vast, so grand, so full of perfection that his enemy sensed his doom. It was on this day that the enemy worked diligently to lead the people away from Jesus, thus leaving the world's Savior forsaken by all, even his Father. There was moments there with Satan when he was watching the demise of his body literally being drained out of all of its blood. Him crying out to the Father, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And knowing his own disciples went on vacation, probably hiding behind rocks. He is alone. He's forsaken. I have won. You see, Satan doesn't have glorified thinking. He doesn't have the ability to look into the future. I think he had his moment of self-actualized thought that he had won. He worked from the baby to the cross to bring every kind of despising hatred that he has towards the Father. And he got it done. But sorrow may last for a night, but a shout of joy came in the morning. Oh my God, he's not in the tomb. What happened to him? Am I in trouble? Is he walking around out there? Is he going to sneak up on me? Yes, he's going to destroy you. He's just taking his time. That's what Satan is dealing with. So to get people focused on Christmas, we end up getting the conclusion out of Psalms. Psalms 103, verses 14 through 22 says, For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower in the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges no more. People forget you. I think all of us have lived long enough to know that you look at someone who is very special to you and they die in, you know, two weeks to two years. They're, they're gone. People don't walk around every day grieving their loss. Some do. Not many. 
Bye-bye. And they go on with their lives. God's one that said it. So all the striving and the and the trying to make money, whether it's off of a, a Christmas baby or to make you know yourself famous or to whatever your big goal is, it's just flowers. That soon the wind will pass over and it will be no more. But love and kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, setting up a generational training to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you as angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you who do his works in the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Here is our obvious question we're closing on. Does any of that sound to you like a baby in a manger? The answer to our first question was, or is, to our first question, is the reason why we're comfortable with a little baby is that we don't have to deal with the rod aspect of Jesus Christ. He disciplines whom he loves. A part of training up a child is do not spare the rod. Why would God toss that to the side for us? So the world has turned into this don't spank your children thing because that's abuse to, or initially, it being the primary way to keep your children on a straight path. The rod of thy staff that comforts us. I love it when he hooks and keeps me away from destruction. But I don't care so much about that that thorn rod and getting tapped on the behind with it. This Christmas message means a lot to me. I want him to be my Emmanuel. God is with me. I want him to be Jesus, Lamb. God wasn't stuttering. He wasn't saying Jesus is Messiah, even though we typically translate the two together, and that's why we say Messiah. Jesus and Messiah, well, Jesus Christ, Christ wasn't his last name. Jesus is Lamb. He was born as a lamb, tender, sweet, vulnerable, etc., etc. Christ is Messiah. You have the two sides to his life. Sweet, tender guy that he was, even baby that he was. And then the end. The hellish 
horrid stuff he had to face because he was the Messiah. We need to start one more holiday, Messiah Day. Not one about his death and all the blood and all the gore and all whatever. Easter is okay. We can still squeeze life out of it. We need one more. Messiah Day. Savior Day. Salvation Day. Something. Because that's what it was for. And I thank God for sending a baby who is vulnerable and innocent in such a horrid time in history. But by the time he died, history was even worse. There were rumors all over the world on CNN, NBC, ABC, whatever their networks back then, giving fake news about this guy walking around calling himself the Messiah. And guess they found out that it was the truth. Thank you for joining us next week. We're going to get started again on our series that we're doing on Millennials and Generation Z. Got some fun stuff coming. Until next time. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.